0: Remember, last week we were talking about unless our righteousness exceeds the scribes and Pharisees, we won't enter the kingdom of heaven. And the righteousness comes from what? It comes from God. And the problem that we have as human beings is what? Our heart, right? It's easy to move from a good place to a bad place, isn't it? Jesus is talking about this. And as you go through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus begins to show us just the issue that we have as human beings is our heart. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 21, I'm going to read from the Message Bible. Forgive me uh, if you don't like it, but it's just simpler to, to, to read and, and talk about. You're familiar with the command to the ancients. Do not murder. I'm telling you, that someone that anyone who is so much as angry with a brother or sister is guilty of murder carelessly call a brother idiot and you might just find yourself hauled into court thoughtlessly yelled stupid at a sister and you are on the brink of hellfire the simple moral fact is words kill This is how I want you to conduct yourself in these matters. If you enter into your place of worship and about to make an offering and you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you, abandon your offering. Leave immediately. Go to this friend and make things right. Then and only then, come back and work things out with God. Or say you're out on the street and an old enemy accosts you. Don't lose a minute. Make the first move. Make things right with him. After all, if you leave the first move to him, knowing his track record, you're likely to end up in court, maybe even jail. If that happens, you won't get out without a stiff fine. Jesus is talking about the second part of the most important relationships we have in life. Our first is this. And our second is this, isn't it? think about that how important is this relationship this relationship is heaven and hell but you know what this relationship can be what heaven and hell do you think it's important to god very much so you know i've read this numerous times numerous times and i don't know about you did you grow up with brothers and sisters uh, do you have friends? Did, did you ever call somebody something other than by their given name? I'm talking on the way to church. See, Jesus is hitting at the very heart of who we are. Because Jesus reminds us that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth, what? Speaks. Scripture says that the power of life and death is in the what? Tongue. Wow! See, Jesus is hitting at the very core of who we are. Because here's the thing. We go through life and we are in relationships. Unless you're a hermit, living off the grid, you're dealing with people. And if you're dealing with people... It doesn't take much for the heart to be revealed, does it? Hmm. Jesus said uh, in, the, in the old uh, King James Version, if he says, if you call somebody Rocka. Raqqa, I, I, I have never called anybody rocka. Have you? Aren't you glad? You cover the bases. You're good now you got nothing to worry about. Well, raka is, a, is, a, is kind of a term that we use to describe, some people would say idiot, blockhead, uh, north end of a southbound donkey. <laughs> but we're guilty, aren't we? It doesn't take much for us to go from that place of abiding in the love of God to the place where our heart has been changed. And then he says this. He said, in that case, you, you, should be, you could be called before the court. And then he says, if you've called someone a fool, you stand on the brink of hellfire. Uh, the Greek word is "more." It's where we get the word what? Moron. moron. Very good. We, you already studied this. No? Okay. And I know none of you here has ever called anybody a moron. Not this morning. There wasn't anybody on the road, was there, Ike? Certainly. <laughs> jesus is helping us begin to see who we are and and as a human being we are constantly in a struggle and the problem is is that it shows up so quickly in what we say and how we act see we're supposed to be operating in a place of love we're supposed to be operating in a place of acceptance, a place where our focus is not just ourselves, but God and others. And how we live that life is so important. I, 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 I'll share with you I, I, I drive a whole lot. I drive a whole lot. And there's nothing more frustrating than, for me than to be running late course let me put it this way I was uh, headed into work it was Thursday morning and I was driving close to the speed limit and somebody pulled out in front of me and you know what I discovered they weren't in a hurry they were going about Five miles below the speed limit. What is wrong with people? And you know what? My brain began to think. I mean, I'd had a good quiet time that morning. I had, had good coffee. I was in a good place. I was having a good day so far. And this peanut... She said, Raka. <laughs> Comes along and ruins it for me. And you know what? It showed my heart. And I was thinking, Lord, I hope I don't have to preach this Sunday. <laughs> And God, I have been reading this, I've read this a thousand times, and I was like, okay, Lord, I know I'm not in a good place. I've moved from the place that you want me to be where I'm operating in love to operating out of anger. Now, understand something. Anger is not sin. You can be angry and not sin. But what I will tell you is that it's a whole lot easier to sin when you're what? What? angry thank you very much and i think jesus is helping us to see this when we're operating in anger what is at the heart of anger Evil. evil what else i mean i mean of what sin yeah these are good church answers all right what upsets you other than steve not being here this morning What sets you off? Does anybody ever get set off? I hate it when I'm the only sinner in church on Sunday morning. What bugs you? What sets you off? Politics. Oh my goodness, yes. (laughs) I'm not going there. (laughs) Please don't. Thank you. Thank you. What else? What else sets you off? Anything? I mean, y'all know for me, it's slow drivers when I'm in a hurry. Of course, it doesn't bother me if, I'm on a, if I ain't got no place to be in a hurry. What else sets me off? What else sets you off, not me? Anything? Injustice and fairness. Entitlement. You, you struck that chord. You just had to go there, didn't you? What else? I mean let's get honest. I mean you ever been working on something and hit your finger? You ever done that? I never will forget. I was working. I you ever guys, you know those times when you feel like you've got your rhythm? Being a former Baptist? That's a rare thing, but I felt like I got my rhythm. And I was going and I hit my thumb with my hammer, and I threw the hammer out in the grass, and I sucked my thumb and spoke in tongues that I hope nobody ever, ever interpreted. All right. What else? Laziness. Laziness. Okay. You know, we can boil these things down, things that cause anger for us, down to really three things. Do you know what they are? self <laughs> that would just be one thing no fear driving down the road somebody pulls out in front of you what happens oh you just you're a good slam peep you slam on your brakes and what else happens coffee goes the floor. huh coffee goes, the floor. coffee goes in the floor and you are praying that god does not honor your words or thoughts Because if they did, everybody would have a flat tire in North Alabama, right? Fear, hurt, frustration. Think about life. Does that not hit everybody? See, Jesus is revealing the heart. And you know what our problem is? Our problem is the heart, and that the heart of that is that we think the problem is everybody else. And Christians go through life thinking, God, if you just fix them, I'd be happy. Come on, let's get on. Is that it? I didn't hear an amen. Celebrate recovery, Tuesday night. (laughs) It's like the preacher. It says, I love being the pastor. It's the people I can't stand. (laughs) We go through life thinking that if we can fix everybody else, we'll be okay. But Jesus is saying the problem is not Everybody else. Mm -hmm. The problem is right here. Wow. So how do we how do we begin to realize that the change the world doesn't start out there? It starts right here. It starts with us. You know, people come to me and say, "You know what? I got to fix my relationship with my spouse. I got to fix it. We got to fix I got to fix her or I got to fix him." Let's get honest, okay? How do you fix them? You know. But I can tell you how to change that relationship. Let God change you. Let God change you. You are the one that's going to change and I guarantee you if you change, the relationship's going to change. It's going to mess everything up because you're not going to be operating the same way you are operating. You're not constantly focused on how to fix them. You're beginning to realize that God's got work to do in you. You know we're called to operate from a perspective of love and i'll be honest with you i wrestle with this idea of love i'll be honest with you i really do because every time i think i understand what it is i discover it's a whole lot more and it's a whole lot better than what i realized it was to begin with um some people think that, well, unconditional love just means that, that, that you just accept whatever happens and they're allowed to do whatever they want to do and it's no big deal. No. How many of you have children? Do you love your children? Okay. Now, let's talk about love. Love why did you potty train your kids because you hated them because you were bitter because you were angry why did you potty train your kids tired of changing divers i guess it could be selfish courtney um so they would fit into society. I mean, there are psychological studies on potty training. I'm not going there. But truth of the matter is, is that we train our children out of love. In other words, we don't allow them to operate in the same place, not out of anger, not out of fear, not out of frustration, but because we long what's best for the child. It would be awful for my kid to be 18 years old and still have to change a diaper. Wouldn't it? I mean, unless your child is mentally incapacitated, that would not be love, would it? <laughs> I remember when I first met my wife, her little brother was four years old and he was potty training. And this is totally an aside, but I thought it was so funny. Um he potty trained by making mud. Does anybody know what that is? That's where he taught them to tinkle outside and they would make mud. And uh, four years old, he discovered he didn't have to go outside to make mud. My mother-in-law had a schefflera plant. And she couldn't figure out why it died. Love is not just license. Love is so much more. And Jesus is wanting us to come from that perspective. He's wanting us to operate in love. Because when we're operating in love, we're not constantly reacting to all the stuff out there. We realize that we're at a safe place. Because love overcomes fear, doesn't it? love overcomes frustration love overcomes pain that's not to say that we don't learn from the pain it doesn't mean that we don't change when it comes to frustration but love puts us in a better place on how to respond to the world and jesus said if you're in your house of worship if you go to the temple if you go to that place where you long to meet God and you realize that your brother has something against you. Go and make it right. And it's so important when we realize where we're coming from in dealing with other people. Our problem is, is if we come at it from a perspective of, I'm right, you're wrong, are you going to make it better? No. Not at all. You show up saying, I'm here to fix you. How are people going to respond? It brings a place of animosity, not love. I think about my own life and my own relationships. How often have I come at it from a place of anger and fear rather than from love? Jesus said, when you know that your brother has something against you, not when you've got something against your brother, but when you know those people in your life have something against you, go and make it right, but come from a place of love. And how do we do that? Remember, blessed are the meek. Blessed are the meek. Instead of saying, i got a problem with you. What about if we approached it with, I feel like there's something going on between us. I feel like something has happened. And maybe I don't understand what's happened. Can you tell me? and take the time to listen to hear instead of what we most often do when somebody starts to say well I didn't like the way you did this we stop listening immediately don't we don't we what do we do well I didn't like the way you did that and it keeps on going And there is no building of relationship. What is there? Destruction. Animosity. Division. And that's not of God, is it? Now, does that mean we're going to figure everything out all the time? No. But if we're praying, and here's the thing, understand, I think what Jesus is hitting on is that when... You are dealing in your relationships and anger keeps showing up. There's work that needs to happen. And that's not to say that the other person's perfect. They're not. But neither are you. And you're not going to fix the other person. I I have people in my life that that God is working on me. Have you ever had somebody in your life that it felt like every time you were with them, you were slamming your thumb in the door? Tunk, tunk, tunk. Yeah, God's working on me. But I'm going to keep praying. And I'm going to keep praying and not let go. Because I don't want to miss the blessing. That God has for me with that person. I don't want to miss the blessing of seeing the power of love in my everyday life. Now, I'll be honest with you with that person that pulled out in front of me Thursday morning, I did not go up beside them and wave at them and tell them to pull over so I could apologize. That's not what I'm suggesting you do. You're liable to get shot. (laughs) But what I am saying is that when you see the anger show up, when you feel that reaction hitting you, take a moment. Start to pray. And bring your heart back to that place where you're abiding in the love of Christ. See, we're going to do the Lord's Supper. And the Lord's Supper is so powerful because it reminds us that we are loved. Not because we're good, but because our daddy is good. And because he's good, and because he is loving, He longs for us to be that way. To operate in love. We're going to take the Lord's Supper, but we're going to take it together. I'll I'll come down and I will hand you the, uh, there's the little cups, but we'll observe it together and we practice an open table here. We want everybody that wants to, to join us in the celebration of God's love. So, before we go any further, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the opportunity. We thank You for the opportunity of this life. We thank You for this opportunity to remember. To remember Your love, Your grace, Your mercy in our lives. And that You have called us to a better place. Not a place of anger, hurt, and fear but a place of real power. The power to love even when it's hard. Help us, Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us. We would love for you to connect with us online. On our website, you'll find up-to-date information about everything happening around here. Look for us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, and please download our free app on your smartphone or tablet. We are so glad you're here today. We hope you feel at home and we hope you enjoy your Friendship North experience.